guys, you're listening to Historic Looks Fashion Hooks and your host Kira. Guys, today we are joined by the fabulous Lauren. Lauren is another finalist in Miss Earth Ireland. Lauren, how are you? Can you hear us? I'm good, thanks, Kira. I can hear you there very well. How are you getting on? Not so bad. We're all good today, and then we have to say we've great weather outside. Tell us, where are you it's dialing lovely. in from? I'm dialing in just here from Galway. I'm here as well with my best friend, Hayley, and we're just going to have a nice chat about, you know, some different fashion trends and. This is exactly it. And guys, today we're going to be breaking down, I suppose, ancient Egypt, what was going on at the time, and especially the fashion, because when we, I suppose ancient Egypt is something like you, you see it in music videos, you see it emphasised in documentaries and movies and films, I suppose, I suppose the arts in theatre and all the time. So I suppose it's an era that's constantly drawing more and more people who are just interested in history and mythology and everything that went on over there. Guys, tell us, Lauren, what, when, when did you get a spark of interest in ancient Egypt and fashion? To be honest, I've always had an, in, an interest. It's very evident from today's fashion, even the influence that came from the ancient Egyptians, from, you know, the gold jewellery, the draping of the clothing, the one-shoulder one um, dresses, tops. You know, there is a huge influence even in today's fashion industry. It's really great to see, you know, the way it has kept on through the years in different ways. Absolutely. And can you tell us what are kind of some looks from ancient Egypt that you absolutely loved? Um, well, Cleopatra was definitely a very iconic, you know, everybody can obviously relate to who she is. Everybody would know who she is. So even the very distinctive coal eyeliner yes, in terms of makeup as well, it's something that you can see, you know, very much today's trend, like would be very, you know, heavy eyeliner and Definitely, it has been an influence, and the gold jewellery as well. Um, they definitely, um, they definitely, yeah. Hey, this Haley. Um, yeah, they definitely um, have influenced a lot of the accessories that a lot of like the younger generation are wearing nowadays. Um, you know, a lot of it came actually came from Egypt. The gold jewellery, the hoop earrings. Um, and like Lauren said, like a lot of makeup trends as well, like the coal eyeliner. Eyeliner is very, very big in today. Like, you know, the foxy eye trend. Um, they're definitely, it definitely all originated kind of from Egypt, you know. Absolutely. Well, our first track anyway we're going to hear is Lady Gaga 911. And when we think about this beautiful music video, um, what she's done here is she's brought a lot of the themes and I suppose politically what was going on in ancient Egypt because there was a lot about gender and things like that going on over there at that time. So we're going to hear Lady Gaga 911 and then we're going to come back with Lauren and talk a little bit more about the fashion. So guys, we are here on Historic Lux Fashion Hooks and we're breaking down the ancient Egypt fashion era. And we're here joined by Lauren and we were talking here about the materials and kind of, I suppose, the dress looks and what was really in. And I suppose linen was a very popular um, fabric that was used well textile in those times. And I suppose I'm going to just like linen, it's made from basically the flax plant. And what they do is they spin these fibers from the stem of the plant. And with this spinning and weaving and sewing, they were very important techniques um, for them during Egyptian societies. I suppose beaded dresses, a lot of the rich and the wealthy, they were really into the beaded dresses. And Lauren, I'm sure you're aware of Cher. Um, Cher was definitely, yeah, she was huge for wearing all the beaded dresses and like I suppose like if we think about it like they were obsessed with like what's the word accentuating the body they they worshipped 
um, the body and they were fascinated by, I suppose, curvy figures and things like that. So they, with the idea with the, the beaded dresses was to basically almost like show off the body because I suppose there wasn't much coverage with them. Um, nudity back then, it was not taboo. Um, and they would have wore a lot of these kind of ceremonial um, nephises. These were kind of like headdresses. But Lauren, what do you think of the beaded dresses? What do you think of that trend? Is that something you kind of see coming back? 100%, yeah. You can even see it evident now and today, especially, I think, with, you know, holiday dresses and that. Again, the white linen as well is very popular now. Any girls going on holidays, I'm sure you've definitely ordered a few white linen shirts and, you know, matching short sets, the same with beading. Um, it's definitely a way of kind of, you know, showing different patterns and different styles. And, yeah, it's, it's big and trendy. It's definitely coming back in. Exactly. And I suppose Nicole Scherzinger, um, I'm sure you're familiar with Nicole as well. She was also very good for the ancient Egypt makeup looks. Oh, definitely, yeah. With the eyeliner, um, <laughs> the cat eyes. Very, very distinctive eyeliner, yes. Um, very kind of, you know, it's very evident, like, from all the trends nowadays, like, the eyeliner is very big in, the cat eyeliner look. And, you know, people are even going to extremes of getting, you know, um, PDO threads done and everything just to, you know, I guess, resemble these different looks that were done in ancient, you know, ancient Egypt with makeup. Now, nowadays, people are going, you know, it's very big. I suppose, and like, I suppose back then, like, this is what I was I was looking into, um, which is great. Like, you know the way we have our little makeup kits? That's exactly what they had. They had these little pottery, um, I suppose, clay they used to make their pots. But they had these little tiny little pinch pots. And they would put all their little different makeups and all their different little shades. And I suppose a lot of kind of flowers back then, they'd press flowers, they'd um, soak flowers. And they kind of, you know, with minerals. Minerals were fantastic. And a lot of their colours, they were derived from their, you know, this water paste. And, and even on the topic there of flowers, like in terms of perfume, what was very interesting, actually, when I did a bit of research myself, is that ancient Egyptians, like they were very big into their perfumes and um, different um, smells. It determined their social status, what type of perfume they were wearing. So I found that very interesting, actually. And tell us, Lauren, because you'd be great at this, can you recommend, say, some good eyeliners that would have, we'll say, that the ancient Egypts, if they're Egyptians, if they were here today, what would they recommend that we use to oh, recreate those? Like, give us some brands here. What is good? Um, and, and I suppose scent. I suppose peony rose, I suppose, would probably be popular. But have you any recommendations yeah. there for that perfume um, or that eyeliner? Um, definitely Kat Von D would be um, a very, very big one and trend at the minute. Um, it's one that I wear myself preferably and like um, you know Mac have some pretty good ones as well you know I I also think that um, Rihanna's Fenty they have an amazing eyeliner it definitely lasts the whole day if you're you know putting it on first thing in the morning it'll last you throughout the day it doesn't budge at all but you know that can be a good and bad thing it might be a bit of struggle to get it off but you know, you'll do anything for the good eyeliner at the end of the day. <laughs> this is exactly it. And tell us, I suppose, like hair, like what would your opinion, like I know a lot of the time they had the shaved heads. So uh, like apparently, like I was I was looking into the, what was happening there at the time, but nits was actually a massive thing and a massive problem with disease and things like that over there. So what they actually used to do is they actually used to, um, they had blades, but they would just actually just shave the hair right off, like all over, they just shaved all the hair off their body. And um, I suppose even like mostly times their eyebrows, even they shave their eyebrows off and they would literally draw on, I suppose, that 90s pencil eyebrow is what I think of. 
<laughs> when I when I picture this, but they would literally yeah. draw. So I suppose tattoo eyebrows and things like that. They would have loved that if they had that back then. Oh, definitely. Even in terms of the hair as well, they, the beading again is, you know, evident from their hair. They would wear like different types of beads in their hair, obviously resembling okay. well, yeah. you know, to, depending on how good the quality of the beading was, different patterns and styles they did with beading of their hair and headdresses as well. I feel like a lot of it was really to determine social status. Absolutely, and I suppose you know, with the wigs, I know like with the shaving off of the hair, they kept that hair, they treated it with special oils and they would wear the wigs and I suppose they were massive in, you know, that, that classic Cleopatra bob. But here's a fact I found out. Cleopatra was a redhead. Did you know that? I never knew that. Yeah, no. so actually, yeah, a lot of the ancient Egyptians actually were redheads. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah you would never know. That. I no. always imagine them to have pitch black, you know, straight yeah. hair, but that would have been mostly the wigs. Isn't it? Yes, yeah. so this is the thing. So uh, they were they were fascinated with wigs, but we're going to hear Doja Cat Woman. And then again, again, this is another music video that's definitely a lot of ancient Egypt um, takes here because there's a lot going on spiritually there. Women were literally worshipped, but we'll get into that a bit later. So guys, we're back on Historic Looks Fashion Hooks and we're joined with Lauren. Lauren, tell us, kind of like, what looks do you see in ancient Egypt that you kind of adapt into your own style today? Sorry, what was that there again, Kira? Yeah, what looks do you see that you like to adapt today in your own style with ancient Egypt? Like, what's your kind of staples that you like to take from there? Um, Definitely the very light linen. Coming into summer now, I think it's, you know... It's definitely a good choice in fabric, just in terms of holidays and going abroad. I think, you know, it's very, um, it's an essential, really, as part of your holiday to go away. Um, I think the gold jewellery, definitely. I've always been a fan of gold jewellery over silver. So, for sure, I kind of like the chunky jewellery looks as well. And even the hair beading is a great choice in terms of, like, you know, if you're going to a festival, again, coming into summer, hair beading, the face paint that they did in Egypt as well was really amazing, all the different patterns and styles they did. I suppose suppose bling, bling was huge to them, you know, that gold, like gold, like gold was so plentiful over there, you know, them gold, but it's it's amazing, you can get some fabulous stuff actually, nice kind of gold pendants and crystals, I don't know if you're into crystals, Lauren, but I know they absolutely loved crystals back then. So kind of you can see a lot of that jewellery coming in today as well. Like we see an awful lot of kind yeah, of like um, amethyst being used and I suppose different types of gold. What do you, is there any of those kind of that you're familiar with that you love to wear? Um, I just, in terms of jewellery, I just kind of like more kind of chunky jewellery. Um, yeah, very, very, stan- um, very, Statement. statement pieces, yeah. Like the Egyptians would always wear a big statement piece around their neck. I think that's definitely a good look to go for, definitely even with the, the black dress. A very yeah, statement piece, yeah. yeah. I suppose it really yeah. elevates the look. This is the thing. I suppose an am- enamel work was huge to them, and I suppose it kind of it sat on the shoulders like it was heavy. Apparently, I was looking into it. Like a lot of the jewelry back then was actually quite heavy. Um, oh, it weighed. Yeah. I suppose I think it was more gold. for show, though. This this is the thing. I suppose it was that again to reflect the status and the wealth. Yeah, and they definitely took pride as well in in terms of if their jewellery is very heavy, they might be left with bruising, and, and they would actually take quite good pride, you know, if they were walking around with a bit of bruising from how heavy their neck pieces were. I didn't know you that. You know, it would just show how good quality and how heavy it was, you know. Yeah, it's, 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 I think when we think back, it's like, again, that's probably another kind of tribal aspect to them, I suppose, that they kind of t- took on in their own little way is that, I suppose, wearing their, <laughs> wearing the effects of all that, I think, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. 
Tell us and that. Just their pieces were just so, so um, you know, the, the women were very fierce as yes. well, you know. They they were almost like um, abstract, very um, exotic pieces. Like, they were very um, in their own right. They had their own design, you know. Absolutely. Um, they weren't very simple, is what I'm trying to say. They weren't simple. They were very um, out there. Outrageous, yeah. Absolutely, I suppose it was very kind of warm over there. So I suppose like I was looking into the men's kind of clothing and things like that. Like men wear them shent, like they were called shenty, but it was basically like they were like white skirts. I suppose men and women wore skirts over there, um, but they kind of had them at any kind of length. And what was kind of interesting, what I found out was that um, it was kind of hard to determine just by looking to see if they were wearing shenties because both the poor, the middle class, the slaves, the farmers, the pharaohs, they all wore the white shenty, but at different kind of lengths. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting to see how that fashion, um, that that piece particularly, kind of extended across all of them. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, the they skirts. even wore like um, jewelry in their hair. You know, like the um, chain pieces that would maybe hang down over their face. Um, you know, they did a lot of all things as well, which is very original. You know, this is at the Those are things you don't see much of, really. Yeah, they have their own the... distinctive look. Absolutely. I think that's the nephis that you're pointing out there, those ceremonial headdresses that were just stunning. Yes. I think yes. they've excavated a good few of them as well today, actually. They've they've survived the test of time and I suppose they buried them with them. That that's how much they love them. They buried them with them. Oh definitely, yeah. Absolutely. Well we're gonna hear another track now in a moment, but tell us, Lauren, before we do, shoes. And what did you think of their footwear? Their footwear, yeah. Again, it's very, it's very warm, obviously, in Egypt. So their footwear had to be breathable. Um, a lot of even the sandals you see, even in pennies now today, is very much um, Egyptian style. Again, beading, um, wrap around their legs, even going up to their knees, wrap around. Um, they're very evident. Like if you go into any stores, pennies being one of the most popular ones, you will 100% find at least one pair of sandals that is. 100% influenced by Egyptian fashion and you know they've stood the test of time exactly exactly well we're going to hear an Alicia Cara song now Wild Things and then we will be back and we're going to have Seth come on as well and talk to us all a little bit about the gender roles that were going on during those times so guys we are here historic looks fashion looks and we're just about to kind of talk about ancient Egypt and the role of gender so, Seth, can you tell us about gender in those times? Of course, I'd be happy to. So, the interesting thing about ancient Egypt as compared to the rest of the ancient world is that men and women were largely equal yes. in most respects in society. Women had equal rights to property, land ownership, they had equal rights to sue, to divorce. Um, the main difference, aside from obviously how they clothed themselves, was that women were not generally permitted to obtain any substantial power Mm -hmm. in society without sort of going through a man. It was generally acquired either by marriage or if they got very lucky and, you know, you know, circumstances fell in their favor. Um... I found out this about marriage, that um, in ancient Egypt, it was considered, say, if a man and a woman moved in together, that was considered as, as marriage because they didn't necessarily have this kind of ceremonial thing. However, mm. they did celebrate with a big banquet and loads of dancing. And I suppose women, um, especially with roy- when it came to uh, royalty and things like that, I suppose with pharaohs, a lot of the time I was, I was just reading up that they would actually marry their daughters. 
Yeah, that's was incredibly common. Within the family. Mm-hmm. I suppose the part, which is I mean, it's just crazy to, when you think about it, but I suppose the bride, she would have wore a long dress that was made of linen, again, and a net that went over her head. And if she did have any jewellery, she'd kind of, it would just kind of be to show off to the husband. I said there was no kind of type of marriage ceremony again, but um, again, I suppose the big celebration, the big feast, the big banquet. Mm-hmm. So when it came to men and things like that, like what was kind of typically kind of going on there, I suppose the power-wise and stuff? Um, interesting question. Generally speaking, men were in like administrative, administrative positions of power. You'd find men, you know, like looking after slaves, looking after uh, the finances, looking after the resources, so to speak. And women would generally be more caretakers of the home. Now, this is obviously... You know, there are exceptions to the rule. Exactly. One of the most notable of which, in my opinion, would be the pharaoh Hatshepsut. Um, and she is most famously known for uh, basically being a female king. Wow. Yeah. So she came to power in about 1508 BC, okay. um, originally by marrying her half-brother, I believe. Yes. Um, she was the first ruler, I suppose, wasn't she? I was looking up there. She was actually the first female yeah, ruler. Yeah, I think she was. To I know, th- to know ever, ever. Mm-hmm. So I suppose that's like, <laughs> she's gonna, she's in history now. Like it's, it's phenomenal, really. She really paved the way yeah. to come. So tell us a bit more about Havash. Well, she, you know, she was all set to sort of fulfill her role as yeah. an ancient Egyptian queen, which was to produce the next pharaoh. Um, but, you know, life has a way of throwing a wrench in your plans, and her husband ended up dying before she could, and the only heir he left behind, he had produced with a palace concubine. Oh, okay. So she stepped into the role of regent. I see. Mm -hmm. So there was, I suppose, concubines was a... Can you explain a bit about what that was? So concubines were, um... I suppose the I suppose the, the pharaohs would have had multiple kind of yes. relationships, we'll say, going on. So I suppose, but this thing could they um, obtain power a concubine? No, concubines were that was specifically the role that was given to female slaves. Usually, okay. Um, generally speaking, concubines were, you know, I'm sure that they were kept in a degree of luxury, just given the fact that they were, you know. They were consorts of people of status. Yes. Um, but it was not generally a position you could maneuver your way out of. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. And so I suppose, and then we had the infamous Cleopatra. Yes. Came after that, which we now know is a redhead. <laughs> I was very, very happy <laughs> to hear that one. But um, Lauren, listen, and can you tell us a little bit about Cleopatra? or What is your um, understanding of Cleopatra? So Cleopatra is just an icon that everybody, you know, household name, everybody would obviously be familiar with her. Just when you think of, um, you know, empowered females, you definitely think of her as being one of the most iconic ones um, of the time. She influenced a lot of fashion trends and she was obviously a queen of Egypt as well. So she had a lot of power in terms of the society as well at the time. Absolutely. And Seth, Cleopatra, your, your take on Cleopatra. I mean, uh, what isn't there to say about Cleopatra, you know? She was easily the most notable 
of Egypt's female rulers, you know, not just for her status as, like, I suppose a cult icon in our modern day, but in during her lifetime, she was the cause of a lot of political upheaval, not just in her own kingdom, but in other people's. Okay. Yeah. Have you, like, when you say political upheaval? Um, Well, you know, obviously she was, I would imagine she was beautiful, but more than that, she was incredibly intelligent. Okay. Um, A lot of her relationships with, you know, her notable relationships with the men in her life were political ones that she leveraged for her own gain. Okay, so I suppose marriage, going back to it, I suppose it was like a social, it was like a business. Yeah, it was, it was a, really business a business transaction. Really. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose the wealth and I suppose like, I suppose pyramids being built and things like that was really, you know, pinnacle points of, I suppose, power. Mm-hmm. You know, though these were these were big statements, along with being such a spiritual aspect to them, which we'll talk about later on. Um, I suppose they they were so, so much they wanted to establish um, mm-hmm. when it came, even I suppose industry really. When you think about the slave industry, which yeah. was huge, and she did drive a lot of that. Yeah, and she, she did break standard type, uh, I suppose, stereotypes when it came to gender, didn't she? She definitely did. Um, you know, as as we've mentioned before, uh, Egyptian women didn't have a lot of, I guess, mobility in society. To be fair. No one really did. Social classes were pretty cut and dry. But uh, women had a, you know, were particularly barred from obtaining power over people. So, you know. Absolutely. I suppose back then we think about it, their abodes, um, a lot of the poor kind of would have, I suppose, be living in kind of mud brick built houses, kind of even with, with this stone oven. And they would have had their pits dug in the ground where they would have had their food and things like that. Where you've seen, I suppose, the likes of Cleopatra, the pharaohs, they lived in such wealthy wealthy like uh, surroundings the beautiful beautiful buildings and I suppose again they had servants you know they were washed um, they had baths there there was so much going on over there uh, definitely the women um, in, in poor, like high parts of power and things like that they were definitely we- we- much better treated um, I'd say you'd agree with that um, Lauren yeah definitely 100% absolutely and Lauren is a Miss Earth Ireland finalist. Lauren, tell us, Miss Earth Ireland, how did you hear about it? Um, so basically, I just seen it online. Um, it looks like something that I always was interested in. Um, you know, I'm obviously, I love style, fashion, and that's a big aspect as well. So I just applied. I thought it would be a great opportunity. And I've met some amazing girls along the way. I can, I definitely say that um, if anybody out there is thinking about doing it, just do it, you know. Um, you know, don't let anything stop you. Just go ahead and try it and see, you know, you will be amazed like what you can achieve. Well, Lauren, you out there. And, this, and best of luck this week. Thank you so much for coming on and discussing all about ancient Egypt and your friend as well. The two of you are amazing and definitely I'll have to, I'll definitely get you back on again sometime. I will break down more fashion looks. Thank you guys for coming on. Um, I'm myself now and Seth, we're going to have a little a bit more of a look into the rulership here. But guys, thank you so much for coming on and have a lovely day. Um. Thanks, guys. Take care. So I'm here with Seth and myself and Seth were just breaking down ancient Egypt and kind of the rulers of those times. So I suppose there was 300 rulers 
in Egypt. And I suppose like fashion, like it, I suppose it was constantly rolling and changing. And I suppose men kind of, again, there was like, I suppose like they were kind of very much so into, um, I suppose, the, the bare head look. But also we were talking about particular rulers like Cleopatra. Um, can you tell us more about Hitachi? So Hatshepsut is, you know, she's one of my personal favorites, not just uh, because of her role in ancient Egyptian history as a remarkably prosperous ruler, um, but also because her role in ancient Egyptian fashion and, you know, visual presentation was quite transgressive for the time. Um, I mentioned earlier that she was considered a female king, and I mean that quite literally. Um, upon the death of her husband, when she became the regent to what was her nephew, essentially, um, you know, she began adorning herself like a male pharaoh. And, you know, despite the equality of the sexes in ancient Egypt, uh, gender roles were still obviously very, very enforced. It was very frowned upon to cross those boundaries in any unprecedented way. Um, in particular, one of the most notable things about her is that uh, she wore the same fake beard that was worn by male pharaohs uh, to symbolize their connection to God, because obviously in that heat, you don't want any real facial hair on your body or on your face. Um, but, you know, the beard was an important symbol, so they'd craft one and they would wear it. and wow. Yeah. And she... You know, it's unclear if it was for personal gender reasons or as a way of... It's a certain dominance. Exactly, yeah. asserting dominance. Um, because, you know, she was in an incredibly precarious position. Uh, her, The heir to the kingdom was not her child. Um, and her husband was dead, so she had to leverage everything that she could. Um, actually, her nephew... Um, Upon her death, uh, basically enacted a campaign of destroying her legacy. Wow. It's kind of unclear why. I mean, a bunch of pharaohs have done that over the time. But it does seem notable that it happened with uh, a notably gender transgressive pharaoh, I suppose. Um, well, I suppose kind of Fletcher, he seems to be one of the main, like a, 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 basically an historian, and he looked into all the kind of uh, the female pharaohs, and he says that there's 12 female pharaohs. pharaohs. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's including not only Cleopatra, both, but the immoralized in Shakespeare's play as well, because Shakespeare, funny enough, um, he used to use an awful lot of, draw a lot of his inspiration from ancient Egypt. And he would look at these characters like Cleopatra and try and take those characters and basically morph them into his story and bring them through to bring that lovely dramatic kind of mm -hmm. and bring that historic element in. I'd say you're a fan of Shakespeare as well. Oh, very much so. Definitely. Definitely one of my great passions and one of the great passions of many of my loved ones. Um, I have to wonder if uh, ancient Egypt was interesting to him because of the, you know, the dichotomy of men and women are equal, but not, which was, I suppose, a great contrast to English society at the time. Well, this is the thing, and I suppose when we, when we relate to fashion and things like that, like, 
um, because I suppose like especially like pharaohs, especially the women and things like that, like they wore quite loose clothing. I suppose we think Middle Ages, we think quite tight and corsets and kind of things like that. But we mm-hmm. think about ancient Egypt, we think about the warm um, Egyptian sun and sand and. I suppose Egyptian cotton. <laughs> I suppose exactly. all our beautiful cotton came from ancient Egypt, and I suppose like their diets, like I know for the men anyway, they like the, the wealthy, they kind of ate bread and fruit and things like that in the morning, and like I suppose they were quite, um, they weren't afraid to have a, have a belly. That's the way to describe it. They were, you know, mad into their food, and those that had more weight on them were considerably the more wealthier ones, and the ones that hadn't got the weight on them were kind of seen as the more kind of poor ones. So I suppose weight was... um, A status symbol? Yeah, absolutely, I suppose. The more curvier, the more wealthy, actually, a lot of times you appeared. So definitely they really worshipped things like that, and I suppose food, fruits, lovely kind of watermelons, they Mm. they loved all that. Hydration was really, really important to them, and I suppose their clothes reflected that. Like They weren't going to be wearing something that was stuck to them. They wanted to be able to breathe and be comfortable. But we're going to hear another track, Katy Perry, Dark Horse. And again, you can see a lot of ancient Egypt and the influence she took from that and the inspiration and pop put it into this beautiful music video for the song. So guys, I'm here with Seth and we're talking all about ancient Egypt. And particularly what we're going to talk about now is basically the spiritual and the religious element. And when it came to clothing, like pharaohs i suppose they wore those big like crowns and they know at the back of the head and at the nape of the neck and they were considered a symbol of royalty but when it came to the pyramids particularly they used to wear a lot of kind of animal um skin and um feathers were actually very important so an atem that was basically a crown that was used for religious ceremonies and this was made with ostrich feathers seth can you tell us a bit about ancient egypt and kind of the rituals that were going on there yeah of course so ancient Egypt was a very, it was a polytheistic religion, obviously. Mm-hmm. They worshipped many gods. Um, the two main channels for the divine were uh, the gods themselves and the priests who acted as you know, a go-between for the average person yeah. and their religious figures, and the pharaoh, who yeah. was seen to have a direct connection with um, you know, obviously the heavenly order of the cosmos, but generally speaking, uh, the pharaoh was usually connected with the sun. Um, a lot of ancient Egyptian uh, religious practices centered around death, actually, interestingly oh. enough. Death was a very important part of their lifestyle and the sort of ritualization and the honoring of the dead. This thing, I suppose, you have the afterlife. Afterlife in ancient Egypt was definitely, like, they, they really believed in it, that they'd come back as these different things. And I suppose we often saw that in the caves, and we'd see that on, I suppose, like, you know, the markings that they left behind. They drew they drew all about the, the afterlife and with paints, and they'd carve things in. So that was really, I suppose, spirituality and there was their religion at that time with the gods and their worship. That was really important to them. They would have often buried, like as I say, I said earlier on, they buried all their jewels, their riches, their pottery with them, a lot of the things that they had through life, and they wrapped them, didn't they, in, in cloth? Mm-hmm, they did. Um, almost everything that uh, an ancient Egyptian person was buried with would be things that they would, would be considered uh, needed in the afterlife, you know. The mythology, well, no, 
their practices told tell us that they the afterlife was a journey essentially where you were tested along the way to get to their version of heaven i suppose okay. um obviously the rich would be buried with everything they could ever possibly want in the afterlife, um, ranging from clothes and jewelry to oftentimes slaves and pets who, in a more gruesome note, uh, would often be forcibly buried with a ruler oh if God. they happen to die. Um, so, like, I suppose, like... Uh, when we think about jewels, I think about crystals. Like crystals were very important to them back then. Their pendants, I suppose, gold. They worshipped gold. Yes. I suppose that reflected their wealth. So I suppose it was very important for them to express that. And I suppose like these these temples, these big, massive um, pyramids, like they had those rituals going in. I suppose fire was something that they were always kind of um, considering very important. And I think they tried to emulate that I suppose with, with color and they were always trying to match the colors in their environment and I suppose bring those I suppose the tribal paints mm-hmm. and things like that we also think they also kind of had those as well but guys I would like to thank you all for listening in today and um, to start looks fashion hooks I'd like to thank Seth for coming on and Lauren earlier on who was also a Miss Earth finalist so guys enjoy your day have a fabulous day